We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. Happy day to you. Happy day to you. You know, you're looking especially zen monkish today you're looking very peaceful is that so did you just wake up from a nap or something Scott? i did just is that were you were you feeding me were you setting me up for that i just took a half an hour nap (laughs) (laughs) so it might take you a minute this time to to pick up what i'm putting down or whatever they say (laughs) i'm just gonna leave you hanging (laughs) imagine if i said no i didn't (laughs) You know, I'm used to awkward pauses. I'm I'm used to throwing things out out of the left field of my brain, and people are like, uh-huh. "I don't know how to respond to that." Is he being? What's he trying to say? And like, so I've just gotten used to that in my life. Yeah, it's it comes with just being a weird individual. <laughs> I can relate. You know, my- I will tell you, my feet right now are firmly planted on a grounding mat that I just ordered and started using yesterday. It's from, I watched this documentary called the earthing movie. Are you familiar with it? I have an earthing pad. Oh, you do. Okay. But tell, I've never watched the movie or anything. I just, well, you didn't even need to, you're so ahead of the game. (laughs) You could write it. I probably need to though. Tell me, tell me more about what isn't, what is the earthing movie? And you know, I took my earthing pad off, my bed for a, uh, for a while. So the answer is I probably do need to watch the movie. Well, I'm curious. I want, and I want to hear more about your pad and how it was. I just have a, a mat that's on the floor right now. Oh yeah. In part because I don't have a bed because I don't have a home. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't get a bed pad. Um, but it's, it's, there's, there's been a movement around for a while now. I think a couple decades it, it was started. I think his name is Clint Ober. I might be butchering it a little, um, it's a movement called earthing or grounding, grounding, and just the belief that you know bare feet on the earth is remarkably healing. And the guy who kind of started this movement, at least in a more conscious way, um, he used to he worked for a cable company and was one of the men responsible for creating cable modems. He became wildly successful and wildly rich from it, hmm. and he was aware that whenever they were bringing cable into a person's home, the cables needed to be grounded into the earth. And he started to think he had this, um, he had, he got really sick when he was around 49 years old. And he started to wonder if humans needed to be grounded Mm -hmm. in the same way that cables needed to be grounded, if there was a benefit to that. So he, he took a rod and he put it in the earth and he tied some wire around it and draped it in through his window and duct taped it to his bed so that his bed was grounded and went to bed on this duct tape, you know, cable and woke up the next day certain there was something to this. He, he typically needed Advil to fall asleep and, um, you know, was generally there was the sleeping process for him was painful Mm -hmm. and he woke up without pain and thinking, Hmm. And so he, started this grounding movement where he spent time every day, just feet planted on the earth. Hmm. And in part because uh, the earth has a negative ionic charge and our bodies have a positive ionic charge. So the idea of 
your feet planted to the earth. It's about balancing out the charge within your being. So you're literally getting grounded by the earth's energy. And so what they've done, and they've, they've since have a couple dozen, I think, peer review studies. And all the studies are done with the mats that, that I'm using Okay. Um, versus having people out on, you know, for hours barefoot on the earth. They're using mats. Um, and they're finding that it's had, it, they've had incredible um, responses for uh, sleep uh, against inflammation, which inflammation is typically what creates disease in our bodies. Yeah. Um, so all of these people were having really positive results to being grounded. And, you know, first of all, I am somebody, if I watch something like that, I'm absolutely getting a grounding mat after because I am the most, uh, what's the word? I always forget this word that I want. It's not gullible, though I am also very gullible um, and not receptive. Like I, my ex used to always tell me if we weren't together, I would sell you things constantly because you're, you're a total sucker for anything. So I'm that, <laughs> but I really believe in it. I really actually, I, I believe in what this movie was telling. And I just started using the mat yesterday and I can't really speak to like what it's doing for me other than I feel a little kind of tingly vibration in my feet and I'm committed. And it's funny that because this isn't the earth, it's a pad in my home, mm -hmm. but and you plug it into the wall and it's designed to mimic the electrons that are released from the earth into your body. So, yeah. That's, I'm really interested in this and, you know, Scott, we talk a lot about everything is energy and, you know, some things that are sometimes metaphysical or etheric, but I, you know, my, my bent is to go, okay, how can, how can we practice that? How can we experience it? And so when you're talking about something like this, I mean, sometimes people talk about, I need to get grounded and they don't realize what they're saying is they actually need to get on the ground. Yeah. For, and, Absolutely. Good, and now there's science coming out more and more that says, uh, yeah, you actually do. And it makes intuitive sense, doesn't it? That the yeah. earth would fortify us. So tell me, why did you get a, a pad for your bed and how did it feel and why did you stop using it? What's your story? Well, one day there was this shaman. Many of my stories start that way. <laughs> yes. Once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> in a land far, far away. <laughs> no, but in, in reality, my, my dear friend, Luke Rathke, who is a shamanic practitioner, and he was with me during my shamanic initiation. In fact, he was the one who invited me to it. Our paths went separate directions. Um, he followed that path and became uh, an actual, um, what's the word, pupil, uh, student, and worked full time with, with that shaman guy for years and years. And now he does that work um, on his own out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Anyway, we're dear friends, though. And I went the other direction and continued to do shamanic practices, but in a very different way. Uh, so we just stay in touch with each other. Like, I don't know, three times a year, probably about what the frequency that you and I used to stay in touch with each other before mm -hmm. we had a show that forced us to talk every week. Exactly. <laughs> and now we have no idea what's going on in each other's lives outside right. of these conversations. Yeah. But he, he called me one day and we were talking about all the things and he was talking about sleep and, and this pad that he had, this magical pad. It turned out to be this earthing pad. And he sent me the link for the one on Amazon that was $30 or whatever. And I bought it. And, um, that, I think that was pretty early on in my discovery, pulling a thread about, I feel like I need to be sleeping more and better. And I don't know what's up with me. And so I started using it and now I found the texture of this one 
it needed it need this one you needed to actually sleep with your skin on it rather than be underneath your bed sheet or whatever okay. and so i found that i would sweat into it i would it would be it would wrinkle up underneath me it would get a little bit whatever and so i i used it for months and months and i really did notice a difference in the quality of my sleep oh cool so i'm okay. curious about this idea of having the version that you're talking about just to put my bare feet on underneath my desk and sit there and be magically grounded all day long. Yeah. And you can lay it on your lap and rest your hands, your palms on it. You can sit on it, you know, but the, the, you know, the feet under the desk, especially if you're working at a computer a lot, it's, uh, it's great. I'm excited. I, well, I, I am too. And you know, what's interesting to me, Scott, is that one thing that I'm so encouraged by from talking with people who are going through modern day master's degree psychology programs, um, therapy programs, and then some people in the more physical, you know, um, medical degree type programs. It's so interesting, interesting to me to hear how the loop is coming back together where, for example, a friend of mine going through a psychology program, they are beginning to more actively talk about a spiritual practice again, where for so many years, the Freudian influence and all of that direction that was treating, treating the, the self, the body, the whole self as much more of a machine driven by instincts. Mm -hmm. And if we could just break that down to the submolecular level, we could figure out the, the reasons why we do all of our crazy shit, um, and get, and start to get better. And Jung and his, folks went the other direction saying, no, we, we acknowledge the scientific process, but there's more to us than just this fucking machine yeah, with rusty bolts and stuff. And so I'm really encouraged by this idea that these disciplines, as they continue to become curious and the ones who are bold enough to keep being curious, they're finding out that our energetic body is every bit as real and important as our physical, the one that we can actually see. Absolutely. It's exciting. I feel like this is happening more than ever across the board in, in all worlds and all fields. And for me, it feels like an acknowledgement that we are divinity inside a human body and we have to account for that vibration and that, uh, that energy and the things that we aren't able to explain, they're worthy uh, of exploring. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that curiosity. So I, this takes me back. I'll be curious to hear what, if any kind of version of this you had as a, as a kid or a young person, Scott, but I was always fascinated by the metaphysical as a kid, like, and this did not fit well into the religious structure I was in, but I was always really curious about mind over matter about the um um what's the what what's the sugar pill you take oh placebo thank you the placebo effect even before i knew what that word was i was curious i remember asking my father one time about the words of jesus where he said greater works than these you'll do one of his disciples came and said look at these miracles you're raising people from the dead you're doing all this stuff whoa you're still I just spilled my water. Hold on a sec. You didn't I just want to make your... sure it's not on the computer. Okay. Or your earthing yeah. pad. We don't want to fry that either. Or that. Hold on. Keep talking. You're good. Well, I'm watching you. I don't, I want to make sure you're not going to electrocute yourself over there, Scott. 
Yeah, it's your fine. Beard, your you. beard would become bushier and more <laughs> electrified than usual. <laughs> no, but I was I was really really curious about the the potential, the unrealized potential, and you know, one of these disciples came to Jesus as the story goes, saying, "Hey, look at all these amazing things you're doing," and Jesus was basically saying, "This is this is." this is who we really are. Like you have access to this stuff. And it's interesting to live in the world we are in now where science is so important. And I love the scientific method. I love the skepticism. I love skepticism that is married to and hand in hand with curiosity that Mm -hmm. says we don't know everything. Einstein had that level of curiosity. Tesla had that level of curiosity Mm -hmm. and reverence actually. Yeah. Um, But I, I really have come to feel strongly that we can more and more have access to higher orders of law, much like in the U.S. we have the Supreme Court federal law that supersedes state law. Mm-hmm. And I feel pretty strongly that by learning more and more of who we really are, we can begin to experience more and more what we might call miracles, um, actually experience the bending of reality, if you will, and not for parlor tricks, uh, but for actually living a more deeply miraculous life. Absolutely. I mean, the most basic example of that for me is when I am connecting truly openly and vulnerably with another human being Mm -hmm. and how it feels. It feels divine. It feels otherworldly. There's an energy exchange that you actually feel in your body and around you. And if you gather a group of people who are together and open or meditating together, it's like, how do you explain what you're feeling. You can't explain that scientifically, not really. It's something unexplainable. And I think, you know, holding ourselves, I've become much more comfortable in my life with the things that I will never understand, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and being okay, knowing that some things will never be understood. And can we not hold space for that truth instead of feeling like, well, one, what a lot of people do is talk like they know about things that can't possibly be known, which is just so ridiculous. Yeah. When anybody's proclaiming to know what the afterlife is exactly, and it's just so silly to me. You know, um, I, I don't think it's silly to have thoughts and feelings about it and tune into yourself and feel out what makes most sense to you or what feels most intuitively true. But to claim that as truth for me, it just feels ridiculous. And I understand the compulsion in us to want to know and want to understand everything. Um, I found a lot more freedom in my life in these past years, accepting there's so much that I will never know. And it's okay. It's okay to wonder and it's okay to accept that I have no fucking clue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. And I, in addition, love the explorations of, let's say, Howard Martin, the Heart Math Institute. 
Um, I don't know him. Oh yeah. Well, you just talked about meditation or, or, you know, being in a, with a group of people or with another human where you're connecting and this, this, this resonance, this experience happens that seems to be un- inexplicable, but, um, but also very tangible, very real. And my God, I know what that is like. Um, so often I had a session with a client yesterday. I always enter that invisible circle feeling inadequate to do whatever is need, needed to be done, mm-hmm. Scott. And maybe you know that experience. And I think that that's a good feeling. Like I don't feel confident in my ego self that I have all the answers for this person. And so I make that agreement with them going in, like, let's, let's ask our mutual intuitions to meet here and, mm-hmm. and ask for the most true question, ask for the most alive thing and, and that we be led toward in the direction of the answers that you need. And I mean, if, uh, most people are, they get on board with that pretty quickly. Some people are like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> That's pretty rare, but it happens. So yeah. Like, oh shit, I picked the wrong guy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but that speaks to the potential in all of us as channels. You right. know, when we're, when you're in that space, you're channeling, mm-hmm. you're channeling wisdom beyond yourself. You're channeling guidance, you're channeling information because you've, you've made a conscious decision to put your ego, put your mental acuity on the back burner, or at least much of it to allow yourself to open to whatever energies are moving through the experience of connecting with that person. And that's what channeling is, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's fascinating to watch it when the other party allows that to open up. And I watched their eyes light up. They'll be like, oh, this is awesome. You mean you're not just going to tell me what to do? Like, no, the actually opposite. And then watching them begin to open themselves up to the greater wisdom that is within. Really, my job is to reflect to them. You have access to all of this. Yeah. You know, I'm a guide. I'm willing to be there and and support that, you know, and, and hold up a mirror in different ways. But back to the heart math thing, Scott. And so that experience, I just had this yesterday with a client of this leaving there feeling like my being was glowing. Like I had been a little tired, a little bit, you know, whatever hectic ahead of that session. And I left there in a changed state in an uplifted state, like Mm -hmm. electrically better, not all jazz, but just like a warm glow. And, you know, the heart math people now have discovered that they can actually hook people up to these testers, these, uh, you know, leads and, they can actually gauge the energy coming from the heart and they can actually watch what happens when, for example, someone comes in in an anxious state, mm-hmm. highly stressed out and they've tested it. It's very well tested now. Um, and then they've watched what happens to their heart vibrational energy electrically as mm-hmm. they move into a more calm peaceful state. And so now, and then they've tested it with groups of people saying, what, what would happen if we hooked all these people up to the same equipment and they meditated together or they hugged or whatever it was. And it's like, now there's quite a bit of data that just reflects that once again, um, what's happening invisibly is extremely real and it has a tangible effect. That's one of the most beautiful aspects of, of science supporting, Mm -hmm what seems intangible or science supporting what is miraculous 
because the the equipment to test those things to test the heart that's created under the umbrella of science but what it's serving is mm -hmm. the umbrella of the divine of the mystery of the power of our hearts of the you know what i mean the power of of these wisdoms and and informations that can't really be known so it's exciting i get especially excited when i when i see that confluence you know what i mean yeah when those worlds come together in that way yeah yeah i and i watch what happens at um you know, I have the privilege of, of putting together events and teaching at events and being there. You know, the one that comes to mind at the moment is the gathering of the creatives in, um, in Santa Fe. And we get to do that again this year in person. I'm just so excited about that. Julia Cameron's there and just all these wonderful folks. And it's just such an exciting thing. But watching the state change, Scott, of entering that event and people coming in from all over the world. And I think the last event we had several hundred people there. I think I ended up hugging every single one of them because I, I begin to, and I'm very introverted. Like it takes me a few days after the event to decompress and recharge sure. my batteries. But during that, I feel like a light bulb. I feel like there's electricity flowing through me. I'm lit up and I'm in the energy of people connecting with each other and experiencing transfer transformative opportunities you know like stepping into more possibility for themselves and opening their minds to oh my god i felt so limited i felt so stuck i felt so unable to step forward before and now i've experienced with other people different things like we do a fire walk we do this mm -hmm. arrow break where we put a point of an arrow on your soft part of your throat scott and someone else holds a board and you step into it and break the arrow. And I did that uh, the last time we had the live event in uh, 2019 in Santa Fe. And I'd walked on hot coals many times before. And so that has, you know, it, like the first time it was fucking transformative. The, the 10th or 11th time, it's still very exciting, but it's actually yeah. more exciting to watch other people do it for the first time. Sure. But I was on stage. They called me up there. They're like, all right, not, this isn't just for everyone else. How about you? And so I, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. And I was, my body was trembling with fear when I put the point of that target arrow into my throat and stepped forward. And, you know, they say they have you, you know, say a word that represents what you're trying to break through and, um, and to watch it and to experience it. And I've had people, skeptics, which I am also a skeptic, say, what's the benefit of walking on fire? What's the benefit of breaking an arrow against your neck? Um, and I would say that the physical event isn't the important thing. The most important thing is experiencing stepping through a limitation that mm -hmm. was deeply rooted in your brain that says you cannot do this. In fact, this will kill you or at least severely injure you. So every part of the amygdala is fired up saying, don't fucking do this, man. This yeah. is bad. And to break through that, it then begins to start this process of, of questioning of what else have I been believing was absolutely true that was limiting me, that was holding me back from the things that I really would desire to create, but maybe those also aren't true, just like it's not true that I would fall on my knees in the burning coals and, and be barbecued like my brain was telling me I would be. Yeah. And then with that, you're automatically considering what else am I capable of? Exactly. 
you know, not only what lies have I been believing about myself, but like, what am I capable of? Right. I just walked over fire. I've never done that. And I've never even heard of that arrow uh, thing. But yeah, you do that. And you're like, we are, we are wild humans. We are wild beings with so much potential. Yeah. And, and it, it's not just the stories of those who have run three marathons in a row or, you know, sat on ice for 20 hours. Like, yes, we hear these stories of individuals who are breaking Guinness records, doing incredible things with their, with their bodies or with their minds. But they're, as you brought up Jesus earlier, I feel like they're just reflective of what's, what's the potential for all of us. And not all of us are called to run three marathons in a row, right? But what is that for you? And why would we why would we limit ourselves? Why would we continue to limit ourselves? We can look at all the reasons why we have and why we do. Um, and we can ask ourselves the question, why, we, why would we continue to when we're given countless examples all the time of the power within humanity to create what we observe as miracles? And they are to the extent that they're not the norm but they're not to the extent of it's absolutely what's possible within us to create. Yeah. And I love that quite, I love the questions you're asking there. Why would we limit ourselves? And I I would like to pull this thread a little bit, Scott, I feel like one of the reasons, and I've experienced this in my life over and over again, and now I've noticed it enough to stop, to slow down and pay attention one of the reasons I feel like we limit ourselves is by accepting the behavior or models of others who are deemed to be successful or to have achieved something and say, I want that. And not asking, is that coming from who I really am? Is this, is this aligned with my actual deeply held values with my actual desires? Because I, I think that we, vastly underestimate the power of the passionate desire that we have that's coming from our true self. So for you, whatever your particular version of creating a miraculous experience or a miraculous life path might be, if I say, oh, well, Scott is an amazing guy. I need to do, I need to want those things, Mm -hmm. but I haven't ever asked, do I really want them? Yeah. Am I lined up with that? Because the power of alignment, of discovering who we really are, and then and and then the why, you know, like Simon Sinek, the asking what's my why, that's such a powerful question. But if you don't go even further back and say, who am I? Yeah. And the why comes from the who. The why comes from the fountainhead, which is you, the the yeah. you know, the power source, you know. And so I'm just curious. So that to me is one reason we limitate. We lim- limitate. Well, let's make up a bunch of words. Today. I like that word. <laughs> That's one reason we limit our abilities, I feel, and get and get exhausted in the pursuit of things that, and then discouraged and then wonder why, why am I not good enough? Why is this not working for me? It's yeah. working for those people. You know, I was talking with my son, Jay, who's 20, and he's just having this renaissance in his life right now. And we were talking about the pressure and he was expressing to me the pressure of feeling like I'm not doing enough. I need to be doing more. You know, he's working a full-time job and he's just doing all this amazing stuff. He started reading the Iliad. He's, you know, painting, he's doing stuff on his own, you know? 
I'm just so proud of him and excited to watch it happen. But he was telling me about the pressure of just feeling like this inner voice saying, there's not enough, you're not doing enough, you need to be doing more. And then we started pulling the thread a bit and start, started talking about all the news stories of this 23-year-old billionaire who just sold his company mm -hmm. to Microsoft, 23 years old, you know, and or this, this person who just has a Bitcoin fortune uh, or this one, you know, there's all of these stories of people who have created amazing things. And if we take those as examples and say, this is a reflection of how fucking stuck and what a loser I am because I haven't done any of those things and I'm older than 23 or whatever the age is, you know, I feel like that's one of the reasons why we limit ourselves is taking on these narratives that really aren't ours. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm Jacob, I'm in this place of, I'm really deeply considering my narrative <laughs> over and over and over again, and where it's leading me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge of just shutting down my Facebook page and personal profile mm. and really, really not feeling connected to social media. Every time I check in with myself about what, what is my next offering, the guidance I get is nothing. Wow. Nothing. Do not like every time I want to go to offer another workshop in part for survival, you know what I mean? Like to, sure. to make money. Yeah. Um, uh, the the guidance I continue to get when I check in is no, not yet. Trust, no, mm -hmm. not yet. Trust, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. it, it can be wildly challenging to say yes to your inner guidance, even when you feel it is aligned. You know, like I am I am trusting when I was when I'm looking at social media, for instance, I was. I'm looking at the part of me that feels really afraid around leaving social media and letting go of hundreds of thousands of followers on there because what happens when I want to announce an event and what happens when if I want to publish another book and don't have a platform and I was looking at the ways that so much of my presence there is rooted in fear of not being there mm -hmm. although I want to say I've, I really have enjoyed my time on social media. Like I enjoy it. It's not, it hasn't been this, it's just the, the energy of it for me doesn't feel great any longer. I don't like feeling afraid to leave something and that being a re any of part of a reason of staying. I look at the part of my personality, the part of my ego that wants to be famous and wants to be a celebrity and more well-known and revered and esteemed and how the, the part of me that's attached to that story is also what keeps me on social media. And this is for me, this is very personal, and this isn't in any way a judgment on anyone being on social media or the relationship with it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just looking at, I, I feel like my ties to Facebook at this point feel like they're more about fear and insecurity than they are about joy. And that's a big sign for me that it's time to move on. It's time to do something different. And what, I, what I'm recognizing is that by limiting myself through that lens, I'm not holding space for the miraculous, boundless imagination of source energy of God, of the universe, of nature mm -hmm. to create other possibilities mm -hmm. for me when I have events that I'm not able to announce on Facebook. Is that my only outlet? Is that the only way I can put, you know what I mean? We get it built up in our minds, these stories, instead of recognizing like, 
No, there's endless possibilities. This is just the one channel you've been utilizing the most. And if it's not feeling good, it's absolutely okay and beautiful to move on from it. And that by moving on from it, if it really is something that doesn't feel aligned with who you are right now, you're automatically creating space for different things to come into your life that are going to feel more aligned. That is the nature of energy. That's how it works. And so I've been sitting a lot with that and, and sitting with not really like somewhat understanding it because when I got, when I was, I've been thinking about this for a while. And when I had about a week ago, the clear guide, clear guidance around Facebook. And I also had, I felt like I heard this voice, not really a voice, but this clear message come through me. And what it said was, Scott, you do not have to share another word, another thought, another opinion, another anything. You don't have to do anything else. And in that message, there was this real sense of freedom. And I felt like what that was doing for me was, was helping me feel free of my own ego burden to be more well-known and to have my message out there and to, you know, be more popular and be more well-loved and all of that noise. And it also released for me the, the, this, any sense of obligation that I feel that what I have to offer needs in any way to be received. And that is, by the way, not me saying, I, I believe I have beautiful wisdom to offer and beautiful love and a beautiful spirit. And, and I believe that it's received beautifully by many people. And if I shut up right now, all those people would be fine who receive my words and they'd, they'd receive other words and be fine. And I would be fine. And I don't know how to explain it, Jacob, other than this, this deep sense of freedom in that, like I am, I'm just continuously being called to get quieter and quieter right now, aside from what we're doing like that, because I'm checking in about this. And for me, this is the only thing work related that I'm, I'm doing intentionally, consciously, actively right now. And it, for me, feels like a hundred percent. Yes. That's what my, my being feels to it, you know, but in every other area, I feel like, nope, just get quieter, just get quieter, just go within. And so I'm doing it and I'm trusting. And in moments I'm freaking out like, okay, I'm getting quieter and my savings is running out and you know, my quiet isn't going to create that. And it's like, and then it's like, you're an adult, you'll figure it out. You, you will work it out. It's okay. Trust, you know? So, I mean, what do you do? I'm curious when, how do you approach it when you're getting messages from that aligned place that contradict the choices you feel maybe called to make professionally or, or called to make in any other area of your life when it's in conflict with what's happening on a deeper level within you. And if you're even able to clearly distinguish, hmm. right? That I feel right now. And before you answer, I'll just say that like, I'm feeling so clear about that guidance to be quieter that it, it, it just feels so clearly aligned with the source energy within me, which is why I'm just continuing to say yes to it, you know? Um, so yeah, I throw, I toss it to you. 
I want to just take a minute and pause to reflect that I so appreciate your courage in talking about that and even countenancing it as an idea. I feel like it's heresy in, in a beautiful way. No, really, I do, Scott. I mean, the dogma of our time says this is how you're supposed to show up. This is this is what you must do. God, I hate anything that says this is what you must do. Yeah, me I mean too. anything, you know. Yeah. I remember hiring a let me circle back though. I'll just take a minute and for everyone listening to this, I would like you to imagine that you can send Scott, you know, a, a gleam in your eye of appreciation or a hug for that level of honesty really Scott like that to me reflects a deep attunement to what feels true to you and even the possibility even countenancing it most people looking at your platform would go if I had several hundred thousand followers who loved when I show up there's no way I, that that's proof that I'm living my life purpose. There's no way I would let that go. Mm. I, I think that would be a common feeling or thought for a lot of people. So the fact that you're willing to listen to the still small inner voice that says might be time for a pretty radical change here. I just mm. want to reflect that that that's important and we shouldn't hurry past that. Oh, that's a really beautiful thing. Thank you, man. I had this experience. I've had it over and over again since my life really changed and I was plunged into a different sort of life, you know, a different way of living. Um, but I remember when I, when I released Blessed Are the Weird Book back in 2016, that was also during a presidential election craziness going on. I hired a publicist um, whom I hired again for the creative cure. But back then she was very concerned. She's like, I have no idea where this book fits. The truth is it doesn't fit in any of the normal categories. <laughs> um, so she was right about that, but she's like, I, I don't want to take this job and fail. I, I don't want to disappoint you. You know, we're actual friends. And I just said, Lisa, here's what I need you to know. I feel like I felt called to write this. It was hard to do it. It was transformative. It took me years. Um, I wanted to run away from the project. I felt called to do it. I feel called to be responsible about sharing it with the world to whatever degree I can right now. And so if, if that means you are able to get it in front of a few other places that I don't know or wouldn't know how to get through to, then that's wonderful. But here's the important thing. This is this book is just another step that my soul is taking. What it turns into is really not up to me. And this yeah. is not the last thing that I'll create. And I'm not that attached to it hitting a certain list or making me a certain amount of money. All of those things would be wonderful. And I don't want to downplay that. I would love to be on the New York Times bestseller list sure. someday, Scott. I would love that. Sure. It would be so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when I listen to the deepest, truest place in me, my soul self, my inner self says, dude, there is so much more. There is so much more to do and be and experience. Like 
let's do what we can with this, but understand that this, this version, this step you're taking is only one of them. There are so many more to take and there is so much more scenery and there are so many more experiences. I don't want to sound too floaty with that, but that is, that is the commitment I have to living this way of life. And so when I hear you just share your decision that you're pondering, um, I just want to say, I admire that. I understand it. I think it's great. Yeah. Thank you, man. I mean, I, I just feel like it's harder and harder for me. And I, I know it's not just me. I think that this is an energy moving through the planet right now, but it is just harder and harder for me to do things that don't feel aligned with who I am. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the way that I've approached social media feels very aligned with who I am. It's just the energy, the overall energy of social media. And yes, it's the full spectrum of everything doesn't feel as aligned with who I am. And the company of Facebook absolutely doesn't feel aligned with who I am. And it's just looking at that, you know, I, I think sometimes we, and this might be something good for, for listen, listeners to ponder we it's kind of what you said earlier actually but we we just go along with ways of being or we make choices and and in some ways it's on autopilot that we're doing it or it's become so normal to do it in this way you know so common to do it in this way that we don't even consider the other ways right like we don't even consider that there are other choices there are other ways to meet our needs um, and, and I think sometimes if we look at choices we're making that don't feel good mm-hmm. and we look at the fears around what it might look like to step away from those choices, we're likely to find if we really delve into that exploration, we're likely to find that we'll be able to meet those needs in a different way, right? Like if there's a part of me that is afraid of, just the connection that comes with social media. I feel like what that will encourage me to do is to create those connections in life. And I think part of what has has helped me feel clear about this decision was my month in North Carolina in May, because I thought the month would be probably me in this cabin alone, you know, which was the several months before that. But I also had a real desire for connection And I found so much connection, so much real life, sitting with people for coffee, hanging out connection. And it was just a a reminder and a gift like, yeah, this is possible. (laughs) Like when you're intentional about meeting people and you actually put yourself out there, you're going to meet people. And this is the kind of connection that that gets me going this is the the in-person connection is the kind of connection that that energizes me more than anything else right and i think it's 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 incumbent upon us to look at the choices we're making that don't feel good and if we're honestly making those choices because we feel like it's the only way to get this need served really really interrogate that is that true are there not other ways to get that need served that might be more aligned with who you are and what brings you joy and what excites you and what creates meaning and what creates connection? Because when you start that exploration, you're likely to find other ways to meet your needs that don't feel like they're also depleting you at the same time. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And a couple of things come to mind, Scott. I This year I read uh, Michael Singer's book, uh, The Surrender Experiment. Oh, I don't know that yeah, one. Yeah, I had never read his his more famous earlier book, The Untethered Soul, but I was had yeah. been aware of it, of course, for all these years. Many people just love that book. The Surrender Experiment describes his journey of, you know, being this real intellectual type and then he got called to learn how to meditate and then he began he had this little place in the woods in florida and he was he just thought he was going to be there meditating by himself pretty much forever and he was living on like i don't know five dollars a day or something like that he did he didn't need much he meditated for hours a day he had found and was finding more and more peace and then he began to um he began to make this commitment to surrender to life and to say yes to what life brought him and life began to bring him people people started showing up and they wanted to meditate with him and it turned into this community and he's like i didn't i didn't i thought i was gonna be by myself in this little shack in the woods yeah and then it turned into that and then somehow somehow um this coding language came along and and it was like in the early days of the personal computer. And so he started learning how to code. And he's like, I don't even know why, but he's like, when I sat down and started learning this, it was as if I already knew this language. And so he started coding and then these opportunities showed up. He ended up building this like hundreds of millions of dollars company. Um, and he's like the whole way along, I kept saying yes. Sometimes when I was afraid to, or it would be against my natural conditioning or inclination but that navigation, learning how to fine tune the navigation of, does this feel true, even though it's a stretch, even though it's a stepping into the unknown, the uncertainty. And so when you asked, how do I differentiate Scott? Um, I had my own version of surrender experiment. You know, it's in my first book, a little bit, the divine arsonist. That was the theme of that book was surrender. Terrifying to my old self, still terrifying to my new selves, you know, um, I lived on the corner of Surrender Avenue in Austin, Texas. So some, sometime maybe I'll tell that. Are you that serious? Story. Is that true? Oh, have I never told you that story? I'm serious. <gasps> Did you hear that, Jacob? No. I just said to you, are you serious when you said you lived on the corner of Surrender Avenue and my computer spoke back? I'm serious. <laughs> That's crazy. Thank Sorry, you, that was so weird. Okay, go ahead. Siri, Siri knows I'm serious, guys. Yeah, Siri knows you're not fucking around. All right, so, I'll, so I'll tell this as quickly as I can. But um, <clears throat> I've told before in previous episodes about, you know, shamanic initiation, losing my businesses, stepping into the unknown. I moved to Austin, Texas, and... I didn't know why my then wife actually came to me. I, she knew that I was in a pretty fragile state and she said, you know, I feel like we might need a change of scenery and that sounds scary, but maybe we should move. So we started pulling the threads and saying, where, where would we move? You know, for some reason, Austin called me. And, um, so we flew down there. I think I had points on a credit card that hadn't been canceled or something. So we flew down there and checked it out and we looked at each other and we're like, I'm, I still have the map. I drew a rough map. We were sitting in a little restaurant and I drew a rough map of the U.S. and I made it into quadrants. And I said, 
well, let's look. How about the Northwest? And we decided, no, we're there already. We don't want to be there. Um, that doesn't feel right for right now. We started looking at the other quadrants. And so finally, we looked at her and I said, I don't know why, but this this feels right. And she said, I think you're right. I think, I think it feels right to me too. So we did, you know, we had a huge garage sale and, and um, Craigslist sale and sold everything and put everything into the smallest uh, U-Haul we could get, Scott. And we drove down there at the end of August, 2009 with no jobs and three little kids. And, um, and in my case, you know, the resources you would normally have to make an adventure like that, you know, good credit, a job, various things to, to get another place to live and that sort of thing. I didn't have that. Somebody had come along and bought out my shares in a, a software um, tech company that I had, that I'd co-founded and that gave me $17,000. So that was all the money I had in the world was $17,000. So we moved there and I was so grateful to even have that. It's like, okay, that's actually a pretty big green light. If I have at least enough to, to get down there right. and get started, but we got there, Scott. And, um, I had been an entrepreneur for so long that I hadn't, I hadn't had to think about, and I'd owned a house for a long time. So I hadn't had to think about like applying for a rental place. I hadn't applied for jobs for so many years. And so I remember the corner of, um, this big street and uh, in Austin, North Austin, Mopac and the street name is escaping me, but we were sitting in there and we were feeling so discouraged. It was blistering hot end of August in Austin. Mm -hmm. And we were staying in this extended stay America with three little kids who, as you can imagine, were like, uh, this is boring. What are we doing? Right. (laughs) I mean, there was a swimming pool, so they were okay, but it, you know, there was definitely a sense of what are we doing now? And, um, we were sitting in, in McDonald's and we were flipping through this rental magazine and we'd talked to all these rental agents down there. And they're like, I don't know if we can help you, man. You don't have a job. You say your credit's a mess. Um, I mean, we'd like to help, but I don't know. And I was starting to feel afraid. Like, are, did I just jump off a cliff and there is no ocean below? There's no net. There's no wings. There's no nothing. And so I felt nudged. I said, well, you know, I feel like we ought to at least get, get in the van and drive around and look, you know? And so we started down this street and I could feel my shoulders tight and I could just feel the fear. It's like, what have I done, man? This is, this is too much. And I got this tap, invisible tap on the shoulder and I'm like, okay. And I, and I heard the silent voice say, you know how to do this, man. Surrender, ask for help. And I felt my shoulders relax and I'm like, oh, I need help. I need guidance right now. And so we were driving down and I just felt this turn left here. There was this road into this subdivision. I hadn't, we hadn't been by before. And so we turned left and on the first block, as we looked left, there was this for rent sign in front of this little house. And we pulled up in front of this house and it was a small brick house and it had a big shady tree in the front yard with a rope swing with a tire on it. And I just, I just saw that and my heart sank because it's like, that would be perfect. I don't think we could do this, but that'd be perfect. And so I called the guy and he was in California and I vomited out my whole story of, I don't know, can we maybe? And he said, okay, well, first of all, he was kind of a brusque bro, dude. And he's like, first of all, man, you got to figure out a better way to package your story. (laughs) He's like, I... I think I can help you if you can give me so many months rent in in advance. And he's like, you know, so we made the deal right there, Scott. 
right there in front of the house. We made the deal. And I turned around and I had tears in my eyes and we're like, I can't believe this just happened. The kids were all excited. So we turned to go back out to the street where I'd felt nudged to turn in. And I looked up at the street where I'd been nudged to turn left on and it was surrender Avenue. I have still have a picture of that street sign. So every day for the next almost three years that I lived in Austin and it was the most destabilized, like, am I ever going to figure out who I am and what I can do next? Um, time of my life. Um, and every day feeling those feelings and wondering what's next. Can, is there anything here for me? I would every morning driving my kids to school, I would glance up at surrender Avenue. It'd be like surrender, surrender. That's a great story, man. How beautiful. What a reminder. I love that. I don't, I, I love stories like that. You know, for me, that's all, it's very law of attraction kind of vibe too, Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, I love. And it's so true. I think that we spend so much of our energy resisting instead of surrendering. Yeah. And it's in that surrendered space that I've found so often in my life. That's where I'm getting guidance. That's where I'm getting messages. That's where I'm being shown what what is the next right step? It's rarely when I'm fighting against my life vigorously, right? It's it that doesn't create the same uh, potential for for information, guidance, wisdom to come through. And what you just shared is such a perfect example of that. And then with that, recognizing we are supported you know, you were supported. It isn't just that you, you had that feeling of surrender and the invisible hand on your shoulder that allowed you to feel a little less tense in the moment. And you were, you were following your intuition from that point. And then you were gifted something beautiful. And yes, that's not how everything always works out. Of course, I'm not saying that, but it actually is how things can work out more often if that's how we're moving through our lives with that expectation, with that intention, with that willingness to surrender, with that willingness to follow those intuitions, you know, all of that plays in to the lives that we ultimately create. And I, I'm, I mean, that's the space I'm in right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel I'm as tense as you were, you know, as you were driving through the neighborhood, not knowing what you were doing, but I do feel that sense of, of really, I don't know where I'm going to be next week. You know, I haven't decided and I haven't felt an impulse and an urge and I'm like, okay, okay, life. Okay. God, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, (laughs) on that note, I will say my, my rooftop tent that I've talked about before with you, it is being delivered tomorrow. Oh my God. I meant to ask you at the very first part of today's episode about that. I'm so excited. I saw a truck driving around in Idaho with one of those and I pointed out to my brother and said, yeah, my buddy Scott's getting one of these pretty soon. So I am so excited. Yeah. That arrives tomorrow. And yeah, so that's a super exciting thing that I've been waiting for. Now that that's here. So maybe like the the whole world will light up with ideas once that tent is. <laughs> it's so funny, Jacob, too, because my family and some friends, they for me, there is nothing. I can think of few things as exciting as sleeping in this tent on top of my car. <laughs> and my family thinks I am insane. Like they, it is the last thing on the planet they would want to do. And it's so funny 
to it's so funny to be reminded sometimes and and we all have these experiences that like what like what what gets you going definitely doesn't get everyone else going and vice versa well you know it's it's funny scott i'm i'm listening to a book by charles bukowski right now and i love i love the beat poets i love kerouac and all those guys you know yeah and the guys who came before what's that I, I, that makes sense for you totally. You think so? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but I just want to say, I mean, kind of kind of just uh, circling to some other examples of other times, you know, I kind of look at you and, and me in my own way too. You know, I kind of I kind of look at this as as you know, beat poets. I mean, the but and looking back at them, um what was motivating them? What was lighting them up? Henry Miller and mm-hmm. Bukowski and Kerouac and all these guys, Ken Kesey, you know, it, it was the following of the unknown, but, but it felt real. It felt alive over the edge of what was previously certain, or this is the custom, um, yeah. social norms. And so I just want to say that sounds like a lot of fun. Also, for anybody going, yeah, I'm going to sell everything and go on the roads. Like, and, and it's, I mean, you, you hit reality immediately, like the discomfort of not knowing for sure of going from place to place or of just moving into the question of what if I followed the inner guidance? What if I even practiced it for a little while and yeah. see where it takes me? And you know, that story of Surrender Avenue, I, I love, I love that experience. I love looking back at it. I love being reminded of it when I feel tense and you know contracted now but what that did is it began to build this bank of evidence for me scott Mm -hmm. that what i was seeking i think Rumi or one of those guys said what you're seeking is seeking you Mm -hmm. and what i was seeking was a connection with who i really was am what i'm becoming Um, I was seeking connection with an early childhood dream of writing. I was trying to seek a connection with, can I live life in a way that feels absolutely real um, or authentic? We want to use that word to me. And what would happen if I began to do that? And, you know, I can just say that, you know, during that time in Austin, that's where I met Randy Davila, who eventually became my publisher and a mentor. And I worked for him for seven and a half years. Um, and I met so many amazing people during that time and it led me into, and you know, the story of, oh, and then every, everything is happily ever after. No, that, that was just the beginning. And I'm still in the middle of that adventure, you know, of finding out who I am becoming, but it did begin to plant the seeds of this confidence that is growing deeper and more that when I say yes to life, when I embrace life and keep taking the turns in the road that feel the most true, even if they don't make a lot of sense to the rational parts of my brain or what other people might expect, it leads me, it leads me uh, into what I need and what I would truly desire. And that's a pretty fascinating commitment to make and to keep and to keep with, you know. Yeah. Maybe I, as you were talking, I was feeling like that could be a really cool 
uh, writing exercise for listeners to explore because what what I I love the story that you shared about Surrender Avenue because it's so beautiful, but also how you just spoke about the fact that it's something that you'll reflect on mm -hmm. when you are feeling tense as a reminder of what's possible, as a reminder that you're taking care of. And I think it is so easy to focus on the ways in which life isn't working out for us or hasn't worked out for us that we forget to give energy to the ways in which it has. Yeah. And maybe if you feel called as a listener to, to think about your surrender avenue moments in your life, which is to say, think about a moment or two or three or any, any number that come up for you where you felt supported, where something ended up panning out in a way that actually served you beautifully when maybe all felt lost or, or whatever, whatever those moments are for you that you can reflect on in your life where you see that you followed your gut, you followed your instinct, you surrendered a little and it led to something beautiful. You know, write those down in a journal and when you're moving through your life right now and you're convinced that life is against you and the odds are against you and you're cursed and all these things that our minds tell us at different times, you can pull up these pages and read about these times where you were shown very clearly that that's not the case, you know? And I, I believe so much in creating, like cr writing down the evidence of the good in our lives. You know, when you're in a depressed state, it's very hard to hold on to any notion that your life is beautiful or that you're loved and cared for in any way. But when you're not in a depressed state, if you, if you get that journal going, that like good feeling journal, title it whatever you want, and you write down the people who love you, you ask them to write you letters about how they feel about you. You write down great moments in your life, write down the ways in which you're proud of yourself for overcoming this or for showing up for that. Then you have proof for yourself when you're in that low state, you can just open this book and you don't have to do anything else but start reading through this, this true version of your life that lives outside of your depression or your fears or your insecurities. I think that's a fantastic way to end a, a very practical, please don't let these be stories about Michael Singer or Jacob Surrender Avenue or Scott's beat poet lifestyle that's going to take him amazing places when he shuts down Facebook and just goes <laughs> off the grid. No, I, I really, I want to encourage you, write your own story, yeah. follow your own guidance, find out where it'll take you. Don't let this be the stories of others because I know for sure, I know for sure taking a tiny step in the direction of what feels true will lead you to the next step that feels true. Yeah. Hallelujah, brother. Yeah. So I don't hey, very often do this, but is it okay if I do a little plug? Jacob, I swear to God, what I was literally just going to say is <laughs> earlier you mentioned the gathering of the creatives and please talk more about it. I'm assuming that's what you want to plug. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. No, I want to plug this ayahuasca retreat in Peru. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we are clearly psychically uh, in tune today, Scott. You know, the, yeah, I, I did talk about the gathering of creatives and you can go to the gathering or gathering up, not the gathering, gatheringofthecreatives.com. Go to gatheringofthecreatives.com. And there's all the information. Now, I am not involved in organizing or producing this event this year. I helped create it years and years ago. 
and it's in my heart. It's one of my favorite things. I'm so excited, but I do get to show up and teach there. And this time I'll be teaching a full day workshop ahead of the, the main event that starts on that Friday night. But provided that, uh, provided that, you know, New Mexico isn't in a statewide fire ban, which is entirely possible. We will be doing a fire walk at the very least there'll be a arrow break. So you can watch, you don't have to even do it. You can just watch, even watching other people go through those experiences can be transformative. And, um, if you are able to make the journey, um, use the discount code Jacob friend, all one word, lowercase or uppercase doesn't matter. And that'll get you $50 off your ticket. Um, who's it for? You know, Scott, it's for anyone who just has the sense that I want to create more in my life. I need to feel that spark again. I want to reconnect with something in there that I know is alive, but it might be deeply buried. So it's not just for the artists and creative types or people who say I'm, I'm creative and know, and know it. It's definitely for them, but it's, and I say us, but it's also for people who just go, you know what? I don't know why I feel called to go do that. I'm not that creative, but something is calling me. It's, it's for, it's for you. Nice. And who are the other instructors, teachers, guides? Uh, let's see. Julia Cameron, of course. Um, Flora Boley, amazing painter. Uh, Heather Ashamaro will be there. Um, God, I'm going to start forgetting people. Amy Miracle. Um, That's Dr. Maria Mbuni. Uh, Randy Davila. Yeah. So a really beautiful crew. And I just can't wait. Really, one of my favorite things is being done with it and looking back and go, I hugged like hundreds of people and I, and I wouldn't normally go out and look to hug hundreds of people, but I just right. wanted to. So <laughs> it's going to feel especially good this year to hug hundreds of people. Uh -huh. My God. Yeah. 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 Awesome, brother. I want to say too, that like, let's plug away. If we have things to offer, this is our podcast and <laughs> you believe in what you're sharing. And if I ever decide to share anything again, I trust <laughs> that I'll, I'll believe in that too. And absolutely plug away. I'm looking for something. Talk, talk just for a second, Scott. Did you, did you bring something to read or, did, or not? I didn't bring something to read. I thought it was your week. I think it is. But um, I could have misremembered and I don't have anything memorized. Okay. We'll talk about something for a second because I think, I, I think I'm finding this thing on. Okay. Um, what do I want to talk about? I'll talk about, I had a conversation with a very dear friend of mine. This is kind of aligned with what we've been talking about. And she um, was a CEO of a company that she founded and it's a really a beautiful company. And she decided after about eight or nine or 10 years to step down and has gradually um, leaving the company, moving on from, from this baby that she was very, very, very attached to for many years. And I had a conversation with her a couple of days ago and she's been having a really difficult time in many ways. And really feeling lost, which makes total sense because this has been her life for so many years and just felt like she was um, just falling apart and more lost than she's ever been. And the feeling I had for her, which is the feeling I've had for myself at different times, and I just want to share is that sometimes I feel that the degree to which we're lost or the degree to which we are... Um, struggling with our choices or with what's next is connected to the degree to which we are actually in alignment 
with what's most true for us. Mm. Because what I found so often in my life is that when I'm acting in alignment with my heart or with the, the source energy within me, my mind always freaks out. Our minds always want to be in control. Our egos always want to be running the show. And so when we are most deeply connected to with what's most true for us living outside of our minds, our egos don't know what to do. And so when I was looking at my friend and looking at the degree to which she was feeling so freaked out by her mind and ego, I was, what I was just telling her was like, this is so beautiful. Like this tells me that you are making choices in alignment with your heart. That's why you're feeling so lost and so freaked out because we're so used to feeling awful, but at home in our mind and in our ego and awful, but at home, allowing our minds to be the things that are directing us through our lives. And so for me, it can be a beautiful sign when you feel discombobulated and lost. Hmm. Um, when, you're, when, when that is coming from you making choices that are aligned with your heart, I recognize that as a good sign that I'm on the right path. Hmm. So I share that with anyone that that might resonate with. It's interesting you use the word signs. I was looking for this Paulo Coelho po quote where he talked about signs, and it turns out there's there are many of them. I didn't find the one that I was looking for, but uh -huh. I found the one that I was given, so it's great. Okay. This comes from his book, um, Aleph, or Aleph. Wait, I want to just interrupt that. I, that was such a, for me, such a beautiful statement. I didn't find what I was looking for, but I found the one I was given. <laughs> Like, look at that statement just reflected on life. So often we're, we're trying to force mm -hmm. things and yet we're being handed things all the time. And what happens when we stop forcing and get in the flow, we're being given. Sorry, go ahead. Here's what you need. Here's what you yeah. need. Here it is. Yeah, no, I loved, and I loved the story you were just telling, you know, you kept using the word signs and I, you know, Paulo Coelho has written some books that have been hugely beautiful you know, perfect for me at different times, you know, the alchemist, of course, but many of his lesser known works like Brita or, um, um, the witch of Portobello was another. And then this one is, um, from Aleph, um, signs are an extremely personal language that we develop through our lives by trial and error until we begin to understand that God is guiding us. God, the universe, mm. source, wisdom, whatever, whatever you conceive that to be, I'll read it again. Signs are an extremely personal language that we develop throughout our lives by trial and error until we begin to understand that God is guiding us. Beautiful. I love that. Cool, brother, man. I love you. And I can please send me a picture of you in your nest tent. I will. And I love you too. And so much love to, to everyone listening. I just want to reiterate too that we haven't made a lot of noise about this, but you can go to our website, heyjacobhighscott.com, and there is a new message box on there. So you can send us a question or a comment. Um, I'll check that. And it, we'd, lo we'd love to refer back to some, you know, unless you say this is private, don't talk about it on air. We would love to respond to some of your notes on air and, and begin more of a conversation back and forth not just with absolutely friends. yeah it's come on in and talk to us <laughs> we're sick of talking to each other we need some more we need some more input here uh godspeed man all right be well it's up to you to choose how good it can get how much love you can let into your life
into your heart before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to choose.